Hello and welcome to Father Figures, a show about fatherhood, uncommon fathers, fathers of all stripes. Here's where we pay attention to the risks and rewards, the joys and the griefs of being a dad. My name is Stephen Amaya and I'm your host. This is a fairly new show and I'd like to talk a bit about newness and being new at something, being in a new place. I personally am not new to fatherhood, my kid is 32. But I am new to walking up to strangers, putting a microphone in their face, and asking them if they'd care to broadcast some of their innermost thoughts and feelings about fatherhood. I'm still shy about it, but more often than not, there's something wise in what they say. As I've said before, it's a bit like going on safari. I just did that with today's guest. His name is Tom Jenkins, and in keeping with the safari metaphor... I've been stalking him for over a year and a half as he's moved through the underbrush of the Nextdoor app. I noticed him single-handedly trying to start a local dad's group here in the Astoria area. Eventually, we got together and talked about that, among other things. Once again, we started at the beginning. Well, my name is Tom Jenkins. I work for the state of Oregon at the Oregon Department of Emergency Management, where I am a preparedness and response regional coordinator. I have four county clients that I support. Uh, Clatsop County, where we are, is one of them, and two tribal jurisdictions out here in the northwestern part of the state. And so I've been here for two years as a resident, but I've been in this professional capacity for three years. What did you do before this? Uh, prior to this, I was a smoke meteorologist at the Oregon Department of Forestry in Salem. Wow. It is a an interesting way to work in the natural resources world and kind of where that intersects with air quality and environmental concerns and a little bit of science and uh, public education, too, about what we do and what we don't do with the forests here in Oregon. Um, how did your life start out? Where were you born, and, and what happened? Well, I'm an invasive species from the Carolinas. Uh, I was born in North Carolina uh, back in the early 80s and grew up in South Carolina just outside of Charleston. I lived there till I was you know, on the cusp of 21 years old, and then I joined the military and moved away. And Spent the next almost eight years slowly traveling between the western United States and the western side of the Pacific Ocean. I got to go live in Japan for two separate tours of duty with the Air Force. Oh, wow. wow. And, and what was your uh, job in the Air Force? I was enlisted as a weather forecaster, uh -huh. and so that began my professional interest and fascination with our natural world. What do you spend your day doing? Oh, well, like a lot of civil servants, my day is pretty structured around meetings. Um, but those meetings can be internal with my agency or other state partners, occasionally federal entities for preparedness, but more often than not, local uh, partners, either at the county or tribal level, and uh, occasionally in involved in taking training, either online or in person. And because I'm a regional coordinator, I do a lot of traveling. And so any given day, I might be in a vehicle heading up and down 101 or crossing the coastal mountains and heading into the valley. What did your father do for a living? Well, my old man um, 
is a retired Navy sailor. Um, so he did 22 years of military service, um, nine of them uh, after I was born. Mm-hmm. And after he retired from military service, he had a handful of odd jobs before he settled into the U.S. Postal Service. And he worked another 18 years of federal service uh, working in a postal facility out in Charleston. So what sort of a man was your father? I mean, He was a pretty quiet, reserved person. Um, modern language would probably put him pretty higher on the introversion scale, but he definitely has his comfort zones, and he has his social friends that he would spend time with, and that was where you would see more open, honest glimpses of his personality. Mm-hmm. But growing up, he was very much a larger-than-life figure for me because I only knew a very small part of his time as a sailor. But like many sailors, he had no shortage of stories about his time at sea and places he'd been and the things that he'd done and the people he'd met along the way. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Was he a disciplinarian? He was very focused on a sense of order and reliability. Um, That was something that he worked his best to instill in us at an early age. But again, with somebody, uh, and this might be familiar to a lot of the listeners here um, who either work or have family in the fishing or the shipping industry, when you're away for long periods of time, it's kind of hard to set that consistent expectation yourself. And so, you know, it was a little bit of uh, rumbling and disagreement with a young nine-year-old, you know, trying to figure out how do things work in this house now that we both have to share it together. Yeah, so now you have, now you have brothers and sisters. What what, what are the sibling? Uh, so I'm on the lower half of the middle kid. So I have two older sisters and one younger brother. So I don't imagine you ever went to work with your dad then. No, and, you know, it's interesting. Um, after leaving the Air Force in uh, later part of 2011, I transferred over to the Navy. And so I'm finishing up a military career in 2024. And culturally, I grew up in the Navy because that's some of my earliest memories. And then when I initially joined that service, there was a lot of touch points and kind of memories that came to the surface from things that I had seen my own dad involved in or some phrases or terminology that I had always heard him use, but I'd never really understood the meaning he was getting after with it. And now it's very much, uh, yeah, I work at the place my dad used to work. Nobody here remembers him, but it has a very different meaning to me because there is that family connection to it. Now, did it have a meaning for your father as well? He was proud of me, of course, when I joined the military initially back in 2004. He was a little bit more proud when he saw me transfer into the Navy. And, you know, through some of my promotions over time, it has continued to kind of build and build and It means a lot to him to have somebody in their own way kind of follow, maybe not in his footsteps, but alongside his footsteps, if that makes sense. Now, how long have you lived in this neck of the woods? Well, 
this neck of the woods for Astoria and Clatsop County, uh, we just passed the two-year mark in August. Uh, in Oregon, uh, we moved here from Washington State back in 2014 and mostly had lived further inland um, up until the last couple of years when we moved out here to the coast. Okay, how'd you um, how'd you settle on this this place? Well, my wife, uh, she's a, a longtime resident of the Pacific Northwest, uh, born and raised here, and so her family had a tradition of coming out to the Oregon coast and doing camping or having family trips. And when I first moved to the Seattle area, she brought me out here for a camping trip, and so I got to see Astoria for the first time go down through Seaside and Cannon Beach um, and, and a few points further south as well. And the opportunity to take this job with the state opened up and because it was regionally based, there was a couple of different regions they were trying to fill positions for. And if we had to move coming out to the coast and having an opportunity to be residents here versus visitors, that was high on our list. Yeah, yeah. What was your first impression of Astoria? It was a little bit smaller than I remember um, as a tourist, but I quickly came to appreciate that meant that everything was just a few steps away once you found a parking spot, which <laughs> could be its own conversation. And, and this is probably true, uh, not just for me, but for people who have been here their whole lives or even multiple generations. It's just big enough that you get a sense that everything you could need is here. Um, not everything you want, necessarily, no. but certainly everything you need. And it's one of the biggest communities, you know, within a short driving distance to the point that we have people coming over from Washington yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. So you've been you've been working on establishing a dad's group in Astoria. Have did did you? Yeah, that started with the um, Nextdoor social media app. I have been a member of Nextdoor for the past two or three communities that we've lived in. So when we moved out here, you know, I transferred my address, looked around at some of the groups to kind of get a sense of what people do with their free time, hobbies, things like that. And this was the first time we moved somewhere as a full family because um, I've got a small child. And once you become a parent, uh, the things that you would do individually as an adult tend to take not just a back seat but they're kind of wedged in the trunk <laughs> of the family sedan and the child or the children their world kind of takes precedent and so you know i wanted my kid for her first move that she was going to be aware of to have a good sort of introduction to the community kind of find the things that she would be excited about that would make it less of a scary place and so how do you how do you go about finding a place like that? Well, it was tough because it was, you know, this time of year when we moved into the community. So it's already starting to get darker a lot earlier in the day. Um, we live in a nice semi-enclosed neighborhood. So traffic isn't really an issue, but we don't have sidewalks either. And so slowly getting to know some of the neighbors in the neighborhood who also had kids about the same age. 
And my daughter initially did preschool outside of town over in Warrington. And so that made me realize pretty early on, if we're going to continue to find other kids for her to play with um, and kind of use that as um, an icebreaker for me and my wife to meet other adults who are kind of at that same stage in life and yeah, I was, ha- have uh, met some of the same obstacles or, you know, found some of the same ways to be successful and, and, and to have your kids do well and prosper in the process. We, I needed to kind of think a little bit beyond just the neighborhood. Um, and so through next door, you, know, you can make a group for just about mm-hmm. any sort of topic or interest. And so I decided I would start one for dads because being a dad versus being a mom is a very different experience. And whether you have a more conventional role and approach to that, or you're a little bit more modern um, and kind of free thinking with what you want that experience to be for you and for your kids, we approach things a little bit differently. And, And then being here in a new community, I don't know what I don't know. And so you know, it, it just offered a forum to start asking some possibly silly questions, but they're the kinds of things that can really make or break your week, you know. The realm of, of moving to a community and starting new relationships and friendships, I mean, you actually have to physically do something, mm-hmm. you know, and initiate something. Yeah, it, well, and it gave me a sense in a small way what it must have been like with the first people to come and settle here in the Astoria area because as I came to find out oh this is Oregon's oldest community here you know over 200 years now which coming from the east coast where you know every third town or city has been there for at least two centuries kind of gave me a different impression of just how deep some people's roots go here and there have been waves of newcomers to the area over time and and getting to know that part of history too. Yeah, everybody had some initial difficulties and learning experiences out here in the wilderness mm-hmm. to find their way and, and to make community for themselves. Mm-hmm. This you still have to go through the same machinations inside yourself about how do you find someone to trust? How do you know who to trust? Well, and me and my wife have had some very positive experiences just this last year that kind of helped us realize that we had overcome a threshold as newer arrivals to the community. So um, in one case, I was out of town and my wife had car trouble. And then a few months later, she was out of town and I had car trouble and trying to juggle the responsibility of being the chauffeur for our child in the process. We realized we had friends we could call when It was going to be over an hour for a tow truck to come and help us. But we knew somebody we could reach out to who could pick us up and give us a ride somewhere or the bathroom or to get something to eat. Or a friend who knows a lot more about automobiles than I do Mm -hmm. and has the tools to help change a flat tire and get us on the road and back home. And not just do we know somebody to call, but in my case, uh, late in the summer when I had a tire blowout, I had two people I could call. One person who helped me go pick up my daughter from her summer camp 
And then another one who came and, and helped fix our tire so we can get home for the night. And to realize that, yeah, you know what? We're, we're here kind of on the edge of planet Earth in a lot of aspects, but we're not alone. You know, there's other people here who we know we can go to when things get a little tough. In case you're just tuning in to KMUN, I'm Stephen Amaya, and I'm talking about fatherhood with Tom Jenkins, the Regional Preparedness and Response Coordinator for the Oregon Department of Emergency Management. Because of your employment, do you feel a sense of taking care of your community, um, your immediate community, and then there's the community at large? Yeah, you know, that, and that's a really great context to put it in. Um, you know, obviously working in a field like emergency management, we're forever hammering home the concept of do as much as you can to start being prepared. Like you'll never have everything you need because you can't have a perfect idea of what the next bad thing might be. But even having one or two things makes you more likely to be successful. And it starts with the things you do as an individual. Then it kind of expands to the things you do as a household, um, whether you you know live alone or live with roommates or have a family that you've started. And then the things that you do as a neighbor, you know, with the homes next door to you on either side of the street, the things you do as a neighborhood. And then from there, it just continues to scale up and scale up and especially in a smaller community like this, you know, you said it a moment ago, people understand that there's only so many people to be of help at any given time. And none of us can do everything, but everybody can do something. Yeah. And the little community organizations that form and are maintained over time came from a problem that somebody identified and a group of people who said, you know, we can do something about that. Now, how old is your child? Five and a half. Five and a half girl. Yep. Yep. Um, have you been in a position to where you've actively had to initiate or 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 make or help make a friendship for your daughter? I mean, it, it can be hard. It can be hard. Um, and f- fortunately, I haven't had to step that far off the plank and and really you know leave my comfort zone the daycare that my child went to was based around performing arts for Mm. her first two years in the community and and then she just started kindergarten in the public school system and so she actually put herself out there um, you know just by virtue of being in a preschool environment where the whole idea is we're all going to learn how to do something together with the idea that we can show it to other people. And, you know, for her, you know, that started out getting to know 10 to 15 kids' names and getting to know them pretty well over the course of a year, learning how to do two different types of dance Mm -hmm. in the process, learning to be comfortable doing her dances in front of other kids, older kids. Mm-hmm. watching what the older kids are doing because they're learning dance too. And then over time, you know, she got involved in more activities as she got older and, and was able to do things like swim lessons, do things like summer camps. And now that she's in kindergarten, 
she's doing swim lessons she's doing after school dance uh through the same dance school mm-hmm. she's you know occasionally going out to the roller skating that they do at the armory mm-hmm. uh learning how to bowl at the bowling alley and so she as a five and a half year old, I feel like is a lot more fearless than people three, four or five times her age, you know, trying something new, meeting new people in the course of that and just kind of figuring out what's interesting to her, what's fun, what was okay to try, but it's not her favorite thing. From whom does she get this quality? I'm going to have to say it, it's equally split between me and my wife. So being open to new experiences, especially when there's a creative or an artistic element, she absolutely gets that from my wife. Mm. Being open to new experiences where she may not get it right the first time or the first 30 times, but she sees other people doing it or trying it and she wants to have fun too, I think she gets that from me. Yeah. And when you recognize that in your child, Mm -hmm. when you can actually identify traits, it, it, it's so heartening. It's it's it really uh, um, um, strengthens the um, the uh, links in the chain. It Absolutely, really, it really does. Oh, I wanted to ask you: um, Do your neighbors um, see you as the disaster preparedness guy? Um, yes and no. So. Early on in getting to know our neighbors, uh, one of them remembered something vaguely emergency related to what I do and reached out to me because a extended family member was in the process of selling a property here in town. And they wanted to know, is this property in the flood zone? Because our realtor says if it is, we must tell potential buyers. And so I looked it up. I've, I found the website where that is kept on file by the county and the state and steered them over and said, hey, this is the address you gave me. This is how you can look it up. And right here is an official government record that says whether it is or isn't. And you can do this for any property. So if you change houses in a couple of years or if you have friends come to the community and they have questions, this is a place you go free of charge. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure my next door neighbors also knew something was up um, in September when it's National Preparedness Month. And it was a a great, just perfect late summer, not quite early fall day. And I hauled out our generator to do a generator test and plug it into the house and see if everything was going to work fine if we took the power off from city power and, and had to run it off our generator. And, you know, we are going to be ready for this storm season because we've had, you know, anywhere from, you know, half a dozen or more chances in the last couple of winters where the power's gone out for half hour, couple of hours. Because a lot of listeners have children. Answering as a dad, what's the most important single action that a household can take to, uh, to be you know, easily prepared and, and maybe, you know, the first step, the second step, the third step and go on, you know. Well, I'll, um, I'll leave listeners with this. When thinking about being prepared, a lot of people focus on things. What do I have and what do I feel like I need? 
based on the experiences that have challenged my sense of safety and security in the past. But I would actually recommend folks think about where will I go? Because the thing that oftentimes is one of the last questions we attempt to answer, whether we find an answer or not, what happens when you can't stay at home until something blows over? Or if you're not at home to begin with Mm. and you can't go home. So think about where you would go if you had to leave home in at least for a couple of days, maybe a week. You couldn't go back. Is that a nearby friend's house? Do you have family within a short driving distance? Or would you need to consider something else altogether different? Mm-hmm. And once you find an answer that feels like something that you can actually plan on, communicate that with the rest of the household so everybody understands that that's where we're going to go when things get a little bit less certain here at home. That's a really good answer. Uh, that's I hadn't thought of that, but that's that really makes sense. What's the um what's the worst part of being a dad? The worst part of being a dad is realizing my child is getting smarter than I planned on at this stage in life and she consistently has more courage over the everyday things than I do because I know what could go wrong and she's focused more on what could go right. Optimism and pessimism can often live very close together. Courage is a wonderful thing to have when you're young. Being relatively new to a place can be challenging. As fathers, we take risks, inching toward intimacy and vulnerability until we know who we can trust with our friendship and family. Guys are reluctant to extend unsolicited friendship. How do grown men make friends in the first place? I I think it has something to do with mature masculinity. Courage and security in oneself. How much effort do we put into growing a friendship, tending to it? Men certainly do it differently than women. I think if we're not forced into it by work or school, in many cases friendship happens accidentally, or in spite of our social ineptitude, or not at all. I think many men don't pursue friendship. They just find themselves standing knee-deep in the middle of it one day. But making friends isn't hard. It happens best naturally and without force. But this lack of tending to it, which is usually the default position in guys, makes it difficult when you want to do something like start a dad's group. I watched on the Nextdoor app how slow it's been to come to fruition. But you can't force it. Either it will happen or it won't. I think it's a chemistry thing. Risk will find reward or it won't. Time will tell. But if you're interested in being part of a dad's group, drop me a line at radioranchero at gmail.com and we'll see if we can get something going. There's a wonderful example of success along these lines. It's a group called the National At-Home Dad Network and they have a website and a Facebook page and I recommend it to any dad, whether he's a stay-at-home dad or not. There are over 3,900 members on the Facebook page, and they post information that's valuable for any dad. If you're lucky, 
and or skillful enough to be an at-home dad, uh, check it out and you'll find a wealth of resources. They even have conventions. The next one is in St. Louis, I believe. Anyway, my thesis here is that through research and risk, we can find connections where there might not seem to be any. Maybe it's, maybe it's the new fathers who risk the most. I don't know. Sometimes I think when you're parenting hard, there's a lot of adrenaline going on. I really want to thank Tom Jenkins for taking the risk and having the courage to come into the studio and share his wisdom with us. I also want to thank Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com for the music. Thank you for listening. It really is appreciated. And remember, the days may be long, but the years are short. Bye-bye.